Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast. It is Championship Wednesday, Thursday, as we are here at uh, our various quarantine locations. I'm Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury, my partner, is on the phone. Tom, this long winding road for the 2020 hashtag BamaU bracket has finally come to a close. This has been a lot of fun, but it has led to a lot of heartbreak and emotional distress for me because I have not known who to pick in a lot of these cases. Yeah, there's been a lot of really close matchups. Um, it's hard to, you know, it's, sometimes it's between picking what's your favorite thing. Do you like ice cream or do you like cookies? It's like, well, they're both <laughs> wonderful. How can I pick one or the other? So uh, that's kind of how it's come to on some of these matchups, but there have been some great ones. And as I've said this whole time, this is, just a tribute to all the ladies that are, have been in this field and, and some of the ones that weren't in the field either. I mean, uh, just the, the tremendous program that has been built at Tuscaloosa and uh, just what, what, a, what a great thing this has been to recognize. really just been something to recognize everyone that's been involved in this program. Yeah, so before we dive into the finals, which is Stephanie Van Brakel versus Jackie Trana, Tom... What have you been up to? I mean, we saw each other last week. We talked last week. But since we last spoke, there's been a lot of classic softball available on TV. I've spent a lot of time on YouTube. Earlier today, I watched the 2005 World Series game between Texas and Arizona. Cat Osterman threw an 11-inning complete game with 19 strikeouts. Uh, have you been catching up on softball lately? I've been watching some of the classic stuff I had I don't want to overindulge and overdo because at some point it gets to a point of just being kind of depressed that we're not actually playing right now. Uh, so I don't overdo it. But yeah, I assume it, especially when it's the positive stuff for Alabama, and it's been great to see uh, you know, the SEC Network showed the uh, walk-off Scholar Wallace home run from, uh, and, and that game in Georgia, which was a great game even before the walk-off um, from the SEC event. Yeah, our friends at In the Circle did a simulated field of 64, and it was interesting. I looked at some of the choices. I, in particular, enjoyed the possible super regional matchup between Alabama and Virginia Tech because uh, that would mean my boy Pete Demore would be in Tuscaloosa. Love you, Pete. Yes. Um, but, you know, it, it's no substitute, unfortunately, for the real thing, which is what would be happening right now if we were in season. a word ready in place of farcical? Well, we'll save it for 2021, okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh goodness. Well, before we uh, we're gonna do kind of a riff on what our friends at In the Circle did, but before we get to that, it's time for the Bama U bracket championship series now a reminder to those who are just tuning in we've done a full bracket a full field of 32 that is available on the out of the box twitter at out of the box underscore pod and to get to this point right now in the championship series which is stephanie van brakel versus jackie Trena, steph had to go through charlotte morgan won that round six two and then via the tie break which we do have standing by for the championship as well just in case Jackie Trena outlasted Haley McClenny five to four. Wow, then really what was the most amazing stats from this whole thing? One is the fact that we had a final four without Kelly Crestman, and then two, that you had that matchup between Jackie Trena and Haley McClenny in the semifinals. Uh, just uh, two of the greatest softball players of all time, period, uh, facing off in the semifinals of this tournament. And uh, just it's been really impressive. To see, uh, to, you know, to dive into some of these stats and things that you don't think about on a daily basis, and you know, you realize yes, they're all great players, but then you go back and you see the stats and how truly great they were, and um, how much success that this team has had. And I think it's a, a tribute to the bracket because the way that we voted, the way that the fans have voted. Look, I'm going to be quite blunt. While I respect the careers of Stephanie Van Brakel and Jackie Trena, I don't think I would have either of them in my top two of Alabama players of all time. But the way the bracket's gone down, the way the committee's made up, they've had the matchups that have allowed them to propel their way forward, and that's why we've got such an interesting title game. And I've been also impressed by the, uh, the fans. The votes have, yeah, popularity is definitely part of it. But then, you know, and this is no surprise, but how knowledgeable Alabama fans especially are about softball, and they're able to, you know, they, they have it ranked pretty much correctly in their minds. I would say, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but I bet the percentage of fan votes uh, equaling a advancement has been pretty dang high. Well, I can tell you, it's been 25 out of the 30 fan vote picks have won their round. Yeah, so you're right, and you know Alabama fans are knowledgeable. We know that, and that's why uh, they've you know been very impactful and have made their voice loud and clear in this bracket. So the championship, as we've mentioned, is Jackie Trainer versus Stephanie Van Brakel. We've got all the committee votes in, the fan vote is in, and now it is time for Tom and I to make our votes. As per usual, I will go first. Tom Canterbury, you do not know any of the results. You've seen the fan vote, I'm sure, which. I will point out is worth three this time because it is the finals, but you do not know what the committee is doing. So uh, let's get down to it, shall we? So as I was breaking this down, I, I liked what you said last week that there need to be one thing to differentiate. And I felt like that was even more true with these two because it was pretty even across the board. Statistically, I kind of give the edge to Stephanie Van Brakel over four years her career statistics, I think, in the circle and more or less at the plate, but mainly in the circle, were just better than Jackie Trena. You know, Steph, her senior year, had a 1.19 ERA, and Jackie's best ERA was just 1.70. And Steph, 
had a couple ERAs in her career below the best mark that uh, Trina had. So I think career numbers-wise, I give the edge to Steph. Accolades, obviously, they go to Trina, four-time All-American. Steph was just a two-time All-American, never reached first team. And uh, we saw Jackie Trina be the MVP of the Women's College World Series. She was SEC Pitcher of the Year twice. Steph just got that honor once. I think that the accolades drift more towards Trina. So when it's one-to-one like that and career numbers are kind of even as well, what's the differential? I think it's the national championship. So I give my vote to Jackie Trina to be voted the greatest all-time Alabama softball player according to the Bama U bracket. So, with that said, we both take Jackie Trainer. Should we uh, crown a champion, Tom? Yeah, I'm very excited. Okay, so the fan vote, 202 total votes. Fan vote goes the way of Jackie Trainer, 75.7% to 24.3%. So, the reign of Stephanie Van Brakel on Twitter unfortunately ends, Tom. Yeah, and to be fair, to Steph's credit, she did say weeks ago, hey, uh, Jackie Trainer should win this thing. So I, I don't think she was campaigning quite as hard. That's, that's probably true as well. Yeah, so here is the final result. The winner of the Bama U Bracket 2020 edition is Jackie Trainer, And it was decisive, <laughs> to say the least. A 10-to-1 victory. Totaling all of the judges, all of the fan votes, a 10-to-1 victory in the title for Jackie Trena crowns her, according to this bracket, the best Alabama softball player of all time. And, I mean, deserving, obviously. We talked about Jackie and what she did in her career, but she has the defining moment in program history right now, which was that 2012 title game. So I'm sure she's clearing the way for the 
in the trophy case right now for this uh, for the giant trophy that is coming her way for winning the Bama U bracket. It is basically the Stanley Cup. <laughs> it should be a big giant U, and here you are. <laughs> So congratulations to Jackie Trana. Valiant, valiant effort to Stephanie Van Brakel. The three seed out of the number one overall seed, Kelly Kretschmann's region, gets all the way to the title game. And that is just a testament to Stephanie Van Brakel. And I, I'm re- I really enjoyed this exercise, Tom, because I really did a lot of digging about a lot of these players. I feel like I certainly know a lot more about the history of Alabama softball right now, but also can appreciate what we're seeing with players like Bailey Hemphill and Montana Fouts and Alyssa Brown and KB Sides and Skylar Wallace. What they're doing right now was built on an incredible foundation that Patrick Murphy created. 100%. That's, that's the one thing, too, that you're looking at. We've talked about it early in, in our other podcasts as well, but that you know, if we do this again in five, ten years, there's going to be a lot of current players that are going to be in this field. Uh, but also, if you are on an all-time list at Alabama, you're a heck of a softball player. <laughs> yes. Because there have been some greats before you. If you're able to overtake them, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And we did our conversation with Sydney talking about which players we think could advance and, uh, and could be on this list in a couple years. I think the answer we both thought immediately, as we said on that show, was Skylar Wallace. But, you know, there are players coming in, and there are so many options on the next couple years' rosters of players who could be all-time greats in Alabama history. And that certainly says a good deal about what the future could bring for Patrick Murphy and the team soon. Yeah, I was about to say. I was about to say, I mean, heck, Maddie Morgan, look at what she did. Remember her freshman year? She hit, gosh, what was it, 156, somewhere around that range. And she was the question mark in the lineup going into her sophomore year. We made out a lineup sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings going into that season. And the proverbial question was, okay, what do we do about third base? And then Maddie Morgan comes in, plays a great third base. The bat gets hot. She's second team All-SEC last year. was actually on the nomination list for this bracket. And she was off to a better start, possibly first team All-SEC, maybe a latter side All-American kind of start uh, after what she did at the beginning of 2020. So who knows what steps she could take in 2021. Bottom line, the roster's really good, and there are going to be some new names on this bracket when we do it in a couple years. I have, you know, we've got plenty of time. I've been thinking about trying to find just random numbers, and that might be my next task. Go through and count actually how many RBI walks Maddie Morgan has had in her career. <laughs> we, we have the time. Nothing is happening until August. <laughs> Basically. So, uh, so congratulations to Jackie Trana. Congratulations to Stephanie Van Brakel. Congratulations to everybody who made the Bama U bracket. There are some names as I was going through more stats that I probably should have voted for to even make the field, which says a lot about this uh, this program and the strength of the tournament. And this was a lot of fun to put together. 
It was. I appreciate all the work that you did to do it, and that's just one of those things, uh, something that's just kind of keeping us, uh, keeping us afloat here as, <laughs> as we go through this time. All right, so... Let's transition to something a little bit more fun, a little bit more light, uh, in honor of our friends at In The Circle, who put out a huge, massive bracket. They did a lot of work for that. Very impressed with Eric Lopez, and our friend from Justin's World, Justin McLeod, and Victor Anderson, as well, a big part of this, obviously, within The Circle. They put together a full field of 64. It looks great. We're going off of simulation, so, I mean, it's impossible to, you know, it's impossible to judge. However, it does bring up an interesting exercise. Which teams do we think would have made top eight seeds? So we'll go off uh, one by one. So, Tom, I'll give you the first crack. Which team do you think would have been a top eight seed in the NCAA tournament in the selection show that would have happened this past Sunday? Okay, so we're just saying this is a – we're not just saying, saying giving them a specific seed. We're saying this team is a top eight seed. Right. Correct? Okay. Yes. Uh, I think, well, I think UCLA is your first one off the board there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were, you know, as, as good as any team that I saw in person this year. I think they would have had a really good shot of winning the Pac-12, obviously, and uh, rolling through. Megan Framo was just absolutely unstoppable. They had a lineup uh, top to bottom that was very, very, uh, very potent. And uh, I think UCLA was definitely poised to be not just a top eight. I think they were would have been, if I had picked one, the overall number one seed. Mm-hmm. The other team I would put there is Florida. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. Florida was really on a roll. Charlotte Eccles transformed that offense. Kendall Lindemann was really getting going. And the rest of the lineup, everybody but the two monsters were getting hits as well. Riley Trilicek, impressive in the circle. Natalie Lugo had made an apparent jump. I was intrigued to see what Florida could do in SEC play against teams that weren't Auburn because they crushed Auburn because Auburn won a very good team. But based on what we saw, I think Florida would have been a top eight seed this year. Okay. Well, I think the next off the board is going to be Oklahoma. I, well, I don't think they would have won the Big 12, and that's going to kind of tip my hand to another top eight seed that I think would have been in there. But I, I don't see them not being a top eight seed. They weren't going to fall off to the point of, uh, of struggling to being after this travel on Super Regionals. Uh, they had enough across the board, so I'm going to put OU in. Does – all right, so are you saying that without G. Juarez? Because we had seen her pitch all of six innings. No one really knew if she was going to come back. Could they have been a top eight seed even without her? I think so. I think just because of their offense. Uh, they would have had to outscore some people, and they may not have been as much of a favorite once they got to OKC as they normally are. Uh, but I think they would have done enough to get themselves a top eight. And, and I – I foresee them getting more of benefits of the doubt uh, from the committee than some of the other uh, borderline teams would have gotten. All right. Understandable, understandable. So Oklahoma. So right now we've got UCLA, Florida, Oklahoma, and my team will be Arizona. I think that their resume would have spoken for itself. They had big non-conference wins before they came to Rhodes and beat Alabama twice. Uh, their offense, I mean, my goodness, Alyssa Palomino Cardoza, Jesse Harper, you know all the names, Raina Caranco. They've got so many good weapons offensively that, you know, their pitching staff just really has to hold teams to two or three runs, and Arizona will probably win. So I think Arizona was really poised to maybe even make a run to win the Pac-12 and certainly snag a top eight seed. I'm going to make my next selection and go with the team that I think would have won the Big 12 this season, and I was going to go with Texas. 
Okay. Um, I think the Longhorns, because of the pitching depth that they had, I, w- I was, oh, I so hate that we didn't get to play that game, that was those games, because I, I, that was really going to, I think, show where Alabama was. Both you and I thought that the Tide had turned the corner in the, you know, with those wins over Arkansas and were really poised to, to leap into the SEC, and I think they would have been great to see how they sit up against somebody like Texas. But I think Longhorns would have gotten OU in the Big 12, and I think they would have probably been, if I had to make the seeding chart, I probably would have put Texas as my number two overall seed. Hmm. That's a strong pick. So we've got UCLA off the board, Texas off the board, Florida, Arizona, and uh, Oklahoma all off. That's five. My number six, I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path, and I'm kind of going to agree with the sentiments I've seen around the uh, college softball media landscape. I think Oklahoma State would have snuck in as either a seven or an eight. They had some great wins in the non-conference. Carrie Eberly was pitching with a lot of confidence. She had that no-hitter uh, a couple weeks right before the season ended. That offense looked really good with Febri anchoring things. And I think Oklahoma State would have snuck in under Kenny Gajewski and been a top eight national seed. Yeah, and that's part of it because if that's happening, then that means they are crushing everybody else. So I I think if the Big 12 did have three top eight seeds, we would be looking at teams like Texas Tech and Baylor maybe even being out of the field or at least on the bubble of making the entire NCAA tournament because we would have seen a lot of sweeps of the everybody else's in the conference if those three were able to reach the top eight. We've got UCLA, Texas, Florida, Arizona, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State off the board. So that is one SEC team and three Big 12s. All right, well, I am going, I'll put Louisiana in. Oh, no. I like the pick. I think with Louisiana, this would have been a really interesting case study to see how much the Sun Belt would actually hurt them versus a really strong non-conference. This is one of the stronger non-conference slates they've ever had, but we saw them lose one to Coastal Carolina the weekend before everything was shut down. If they'd had a couple more conference losses, would that have been enough with maybe a gaudy you know, 50-9 and nine record or something to slip them out of a top eight? Who knows? I hate that you've done this to me. See, I know, I'm sorry. this would be much more fun if we were next to each other and I could give you a little glare. Um, I've I've got it down to three teams, and I think that these three teams are. I mean, there's a good case for each of them. You could argue a case for Washington, you could argue a case for Oregon, and you could argue a case for Alabama. And 
head to head has to matter, Tom. Head to head has to matter. So I, you would think. So because this is our voting, and I'm sure if it were down to the committee, they would go the other way. I'm going with head to head. I'm taking Alabama as one of the top eight national seeds over Washington. I think actually very similar to what the in the circle guys did. I think Alabama would have probably been somewhere around the eight barring a run through the SEC unlike anything we've ever seen just because of the total number of losses we would have seen this year for the Crimson Tide. But yeah, I think I think Alabama would have found a way. I think that the good wins in conference play versus the ones that they were able to scrounge up in the non-con would have helped them sneak into the top eight. And I think head-to-head has to matter. I will hammer that home forever. So I would have put Alabama ahead of Washington. I, I agree with you. Do you think that when they Yes, and I think that that would be slightly incorrect because you could also look at that with uh, with Alyssa Brown. That was the third game she had been out that year. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that the committee, like I said, I think they would have put Washington ahead because I think Washington would have had a gaudier record. They would have been able to build up, I think, better goodwill because the top teams in the Pac-12 provide, I think, more chances to get good wins than the SEC teams that were on Alabama's schedule this year. So I think they would have put Washington in, but because of my own way, and this is, if it had come down to any other two teams, I would say the exact same thing. Head-to-head has to matter. I would have put Alabama ahead of Washington. And and we don't know if we're talking about how dominant uh, UCLA-Arizona was. What if UCLA and Arizona both sweep Washington? Maybe. Well, and I think also part of it, well, look at Florida State, all right? So I've got the original RPI up, the one that came out a couple days before the season ended. Florida State was 29th in the original RPI, and that was before going into a conference slate that, yeah, was better, but you weren't getting challenged every weekend like you are in the SEC and to a little bit of a lesser extent, the Pac-12, right? So it would have been really hard for Florida State, in my opinion, to bump up all the way from 29 into the top eight without essentially going undefeated. Virginia Tech would have been closer. However, I didn't quite have the confidence in a team that really only had one pitcher in Keeley Rochard. You know, again, this is a team that had Rochard pitch three complete games against Virginia. Now, you know, she held them scoreless every game, but you can't do that every weekend of conference play and expect for it to work out well. So I think Virginia Tech would have hit a snag at some point in the year. And frankly, I wasn't as impressed with what I saw just on the field in Clearwater from Virginia Tech as, as I was hoping to be. Yeah. Uh, not that, you know, one, one weekend doesn't define the entire season by any stretch, but uh, they didn't stand out as some of, as some of the other top-tier teams did in that, uh, in that elite invitational. But I would have liked to have seen, obviously, you know, how Duke, who had such a tremendous start to the season, how they would have fared once they got into conference play when they faced some other 
Here's the problem with LSU. I would love to put them in the top eight, but I got burned for that last year. I had LSU in the top eight pretty much all season, and then they just fell apart. We didn't get a chance to see if they could actually bounce back from the usual late regular season swoon that we've seen the last couple seasons. So unfortunately, I didn't have any reasoning to want to put LSU in there despite how well they looked like they were doing early on in 2020. And how much would have, have Missouri played a spoiler for different teams as well? Would have been a lot very interesting to see. Because not necessarily that Missouri themselves were a top eight seed, but they were capable of beating almost anybody. Oh gosh. So you're saying that there's an alternate universe where Alabama just recently played Missouri for the right to probably be a top eight seed? A series Alabama would have needed to win probably, and Missouri would be going all out in their Super Bowl? That's, that was certainly uh, how things were trending, as, as I thought. <laughs> Great. I'm glad we don't live in that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, at this one, I'd rather live in almost anyone than the one we're in right now. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, Okay, Tom, so we're going to try and come up with some ideas of what to talk about on this podcast. If there's any breaking news, we'll do something going forward. But if any of you folks out there have any ideas, any anyone you want us to interview, do you want us to try and comb through the quarterfinals and talk to all of the players in the BAMU bracket? If you have any ideas for what you want to hear on the Out of the Box podcast, let us know at Out of the Box underscore pod on Twitter. Tom will, I'm sure, be discussing in the future what we can do over this summer and during the uh, month that is mayhem. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you, partner. I really miss it. I agree with what you said earlier, watching all these classic games There is a small part of me that says, this is swell, but we could be doing exactly this right now at Rhodes. Yeah, there's there's something about, and that's, you know, I think that's something we're all kind of relearning if we had forgotten it or started taking it for granted, but there's something about sports that the great thing about it is you never get the exact same thing twice. You never know. There there could always be something is about to happen. Uh, I, I did an interview a couple days ago, and one of the things that I said was, you know, when I came to the ballpark, I, I assumed Alabama was going to handle Fordham. I didn't know that uh, Alexa, Alexis Osorio was going to strike out 21. There's always, you know, there's always the possibility of something magical happening, um, and that's kind of taken away because we're seeing all these great games when there is obviously something magical happening, but you know it's going to happen. There, there's something about it with live sports especially where – it's the ultimate reality show. You never know what's going to happen, and it's not scripted. So yeah. uh, that's something I think yeah, something we're all missing, and hopefully we can get back to it as, as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Fall ball. If we get fall ball, oh, my gosh. I am going to go full bore. I'm going to make a board for fall ball just because. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all kind of in that. I, that's why one thing I, I posted a while back is I said uh, – in all different sports, even if I normally wasn't a big fan and didn't watch you, if you decide to play, I'll probably watch you now. So <laughs> go ahead and just keep that in mind when you're making these decisions. Absolutely. Are you enjoying the Korean Baseball League right now, or the Korean Baseball Organization, I should say? I'm a big fan of the Dinos. <laughs> uh, I've, 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 I've adopted them, so I'm all Dinos. <laughs> all right, Tom, let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Anything you'd like to add about our top eight? which I'll revisit, Louisiana, UCLA, Texas, Florida, Arizona, Oklahoma State, Alabama, and Oklahoma, or the winner of the BAMU bracket, which is Jackie Trana over Stephanie Van Brakel. Well, the, the main thing about 
to the celebration of all, everyone that was involved in the bracket and the program in general. Uh, but I think it just shows you that you know, it's a team sport, and, and if you are a part of reaching the absolute pinnacle, then that is going to carry a lot of weight, and that's what I think was able to push Jackie Trina over. And uh, when you bring a national championship, something that you will always talk about, Alabama is a national championship program because of that 2012 team that she was a major part of. So uh, great to see that and and the recognition that she gets uh, being the best player and as part of the best team for Alabama. As far as our top eight or our possible eight seeds, I would like to see, we'll see how three Big 12s would have been able to work their way in. And uh, I'm still not 100% sold on Florida, but I, I guess I will go along with it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, we all know Florida would have found their way somehow to really yeah. stick in our craw for the rest of 2020 because that's what they do because that's the program that Tim Walton has built and everything that was an issue last year was kind of fixed <laughs> from what we saw in the early part of the year. So it is what it is. And it, it, and it did take a global pandemic for us not to play Florida in a softball season. Well, we'll be back at it next year. Don't you worry. Oh, 100%. Can't wait. So, again, wrapping things up here in the Out of the Box podcast, congratulations to Jackie Trana for winning the Bama U bracket. Folks, if there's anything you want us to talk about, do you have anyone specific you want us to interview? Uh, because, as you all know, Tom and I are just expert interviewers with some of these folks uh let us know at out of the box underscore pod on twitter and if you want to find us on social media tom <laughs> t canterbury rtr on the twitter um and we have uh where we got a couple of guest spots coming up there might be an article coming out pretty soon so Ooh. we'll uh, link all that there as well so uh, but again t canterbury rtr will find me Yeah, stay tuned. There might be a podcast that we do coming up where we actually indulge in some beverages while we're talking softball, which should be fun. Again, I got nothing else to do, so sounds good to me. Yeah, plenty of time. Uh, If you want to follow me, I'm at Gray, G-R-A-Y underscore Robertson on Twitter. And again, follow the show. Tweet us your ideas. What do you want us to talk about? We've got plenty of time. We know you do too. So let us know at outofthebox underscore pod on Twitter. For my partner Tom Canterbury, for the entire selection committee that will remain anonymous, but you know who you are. Great work to all of them for getting their votes in on time with good reasoning for pretty much everyone. And uh, thank you also to all the fans for voting on this. It really was quite a spectacle, wasn't it? It really was. We appreciate everyone for uh, playing along with us, and we can't wait to uh, be back on the field doing it for real here, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, exactly. So for all those people that I just mentioned, for myself, Gray Robertson, and for everybody that uh, is a part of Alabama softball and helped build this awesome bracket, we thank you for tuning in. We'll uh, come out with something soon, something new, very soon. We don't know what it is, but we'll come up with something. And if you have any ideas, again, let us know at outofthebox underscore pod on Twitter. Until then, we'll see you next time on the Out of the Box Podcast.